Good evening. Welcome to the PSI Monthly Podcast. My name is Kat, and I will be your host for this evening. And on behalf of PSI Seminars, welcome to the podcast. PSI has been offering personal growth seminars around the world for 45 years, and each month on these trainings, we explore tools and techniques from the PSI Basic course as a free resource for you in your ongoing personal growth and self-improvement. For those of you who are new to PSI Seminars and would like to find out more about our basic course, you can go to psibasicseminar.com. Tonight, we are talking about your path to prosperity. We are very excited to bring you this special training followed by a Q&A session where we will be answering your questions. First off, we have Mr. Rob Rowe with us. Rob is one of the facilitators in the basic division. He has been involved with PSI seminars for over 22 years, including the Life Success Course and Men's Leadership Seminar. Rob is an avid golfer, loves to read, and is involved in a number of charities. Rob, are you with us? I am here. Good evening. It's good to be here. Um, It's in the aftermath of dealing with the fires up at the ranch. Uh, You guys have heard about that. We took quite a hit in many ways. Uh, All buildings are structurally sound, though, so that was great. A little fire damage here and there. It's a transformational process in work. So it's kind of an interesting process to watch. So tonight we're going to talk about, you know, your pathway to prosperity, or we're going to deal with a particular philosophy called be, do, and have. Um, it's an approach to life, and basically when you're dealing with approaches, there are common common approaches we make toward life. And so I want to talk about a couple of other common approaches that we tend to take on in, in our hopes of creating a life that we're after. And so we'll use the contrast, and maybe you'll have some the lights might go on and how you're operating when you're dealing with your particular life. And so before actually, this is a formula, it's actually a thing we refer to as a philosophy. Always, always philosophies are greatly reduced down to formulas so we can use them, interact with them um, in a simplistic way. And so the one way we're going to with or the approach or the philosophy on life is have, do, be. Have, do, be is an approach that people tend to use. Um, I call it the dreamer approach. Uh, we'll dream about having something, and when we have this, then we'll be able to do that, and then we'll be this way. And so a lot of times we'll equate it to money or we'll equate it to, to happiness. Uh, when I have a lot of money, I'll give to a lot of charities, and then I will be a, um, a giver. Um, when I have the car, then I'll, I'll cruise the streets, and I'll be cool. Um, when I have... Um, the perfect marriage, and then I'll be doing the marital things, having children and a family, and then I will be happy. Uh, We do a lot of things in the being happy place. And so we're constantly dreaming of creating or having something first. And once we have that thing first, then we can actually do things and then we'll be a certain way. This is a dreamer's viewpoint because they'll always be dreaming about having something. And once they have, then they'll do something. And only until they have, will they be able to do anything. And so it's an approach that many people come to, especially when it comes to, uh, I find it uh, an easy approach when it comes to investing in oneself or actually when it comes to um, giving to the world at large or when it comes to uh, donations and things of that nature. Well, if I had more money, I'd give more to you right now. And so the precluding of having, then I'd be able to give and then I'd be considered a giver or doer. And so uh, it, it restricts us in many ways in how we operate in our world. 
we're always dependent on having something before we can do anything before, before we actually be a particular way. Then there's another approach to life that we tend to take on. Uh, and that's like, it's a little bit different approach. It's like, so when I do this, I'll have this and I'll be that. I call this a worker attitude, kind of a worker advantage point. And so we're gonna to try to work really hard for something. So um, the more I do, it'll be the more I have. And so people get into this little quandary, especially when it comes about creating value in their lives. Um, the more work that they do, they equate as being a valuable person. Um, when I, uh, they become workaholics, uh, they may try to create lots of money. And so they're, they're doing, 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 and they're doing, doing, doing so they can have, let's say, a vacation. When they have the vacation, then they can be happy. Or when I work really hard, then I will have more money and then I'll be prosperous. Um, when I uh, do a particular thing, like have more education, I'll go to school, I'll do the school thing. And once I do the school thing, and then I'll do the graduate thing, and then I'll do the PhD thing, and then I'll have an education, and then I'll be smart, and I'll be intelligent, and then I can start doing my teaching, or I can do my working, and then when I do that, then I will have, you know, acclamations from other people. They'll validate me. They'll say I'm great. Um, and then I will be happy or acknowledged or elevated because of that. These two approaches we take quite often without even realizing it. I mean, I think that I, especially when I was working on becoming, uh, shifting my mindsets and starting this thing 22 years ago, when I was taking the basic, I did not realize I'd fallen into both of these quite often. Uh, and because of which I was not creating the results that I wanted in my life. And I was actually creating quite opposite the results that I wanted in my life. I kept having that scenario where I was thinking, I'm working so hard, I'm working so hard, I'm working so hard, I'm not achieving anything. Or I give all the time, I give all the time, I give all the time, and I find myself exhausted, and I don't have the peace that surpasses understanding. It's a Bible passage that I used to long for, this peace that surpasses understanding. And so I was never peaceful. I was never tranquil. I was always agitated, dealing with anxieties and things of that nature. And I couldn't understand why. Because I was doing the things that I thought I was supposed to do. But I was not being able to achieve the things that I wanted to achieve. And then I went to places, well, if I had more money, I did that place, if I had more money, so I tried to, to, to you know, to create money and hold on to money. And the more I tried to hold on to money, it seems like the money would go away. It was the weirdest thing. It's like the harder I held on to it, the more it slipped through my fingers and it'd fall away out of my existence. And then I would never actually be able to do the things I wanted to do or be the kind of person that I wanted to be. Now, the reason these don't work very well is because we're coming from a victim mindset. Um, and that victim mindset is simply that we are victim to our circumstances. I have to have something first or I have to do something first before I can have, do, and be. Before I can be the kind of person I want to be, I must do things first. Or before I want to be the kind of person I want to be, I must have things first. And so we focus so much on the having. And in focusing on the having, we're falling into what we refer to as bones. I know I kind of shift gears there. Bones is a very different analogy. What happens is that in the basic, we used to ask a simple question, do dogs like bones? And um, a lot of times people's response is, yeah, dogs love bones. But realistically, dogs don't love bones. You want to test this theorem out, basically go home, find a dog, or tonight sometime, 
when you get done with this, find a dog. If you have a dog, that's great. Uh, if you don't have one, find one. And then get a plate of bones and lay that plate of bones on the ground. And then next to that plate of bones, lay down a big chunk of meat. And then let the dog go and find out where he goes to or where she goes to. And you'll find out they will go to meat. Dogs don't like bones. They settle for bones. They work with bones and they become very particular about their bones. I have more bones than you. My bones look better than yours. I've created a little house out of my bones. And we get all wrapped up in our bones thinking that bones is what it's about. And so we have the appearance of winning in our world, but we don't actually win. Now, bones consist of things like this. We're motivated not by our beingness, but we're motivated by things of trying to of things like this. Control. Trying to be in control of ourselves or our world. Trying to be in control of the situation. Control is a bone. You're never in control. We like to think we're in control, but we're not. Um, and the basic, I started teaching the basic the last uh, couple of years. And what happened was I, I would tell people simply, if you want to find out, I think God gave us hair so we can realize we're never in control. Look at your hair and try to make it do something every day the same way. And you got to use a lot of product if you're going to make that happen. And even if you use a lot of product, it still doesn't quite look the way you want it to always look. Hairs let us know we're never in control. Um, and also it's like we think we want control, but we, we really don't. You think about it, if you were in control of everything in your life, this particular bone would basically make your life boring because then every, everything would be as you expect it. Uh, the things that are fun in life actually don't happen the way we expect it. And so that's why it's fun, because you don't expect it. See, that's why something's funny when you're dealing with jokes and humor. It's the unexpected happening. So when the unexpected happens in the world, it makes it fun, it makes it enjoyable, it makes it makes you want to have to actually be around it. And so it's a bone. Another bone that we deal with is the thing about looking good. We get all caught up in looking good. And so when we're having and doing, we're coming from those particular vantage points, what we're doing is we're trying to look good by having a particular car. We're trying to look good by having a particular house. We're trying to look good by doing enough. If I work really hard and I do these particular things, I'll look good. If I produce this kind of artwork, I'll look good. If I have this kind of money and create this kind of job, I will look good. And so we get lost in the bone of looking good. And we actually think looking good is something that's important because societally speaking, it's actually acceptable quality. Both of these are very acceptable qualities. That's so you know. They're bones. They look good. They battle for meat. And they're only settled for when there's no meat present or we lose sight of what meat is all about. I'll get back to the meat things a little bit later uh, because the meat things are what we're supposed to be working for, not the bone thing. And so we look good by our appearance, what we dress, how we, how we operate, how we try to present ourselves to the world. Um, as we age, we try to look good by staying young. I mean, I'm watching more and more things on, on, on the Internet stating on how I would be a better man if I just worked out properly. Or if I take this little blue pill, I'd be vitalized. Or if I take these particular supplements, I'll be energized. Or if I take these particular vitamins, I'll be right back to when I was 30. And the reality is I didn't really appreciate 30 when I was 30. And so the point is trying to get back to a place I didn't appreciate in the first place is odd. But anyways, we're trying to always take that vitality of youth and be young because youth, for whatever reasons, it looks good. Uh, people like young people. We present youngness also in a lot of our advertising. And we don't have, you know, a lot of it's looking good in present the presentation. So presentation looking good becomes rather important. 
And then another one, another bone that we settle for is the thing about being right. We'd rather be right than be successful. We use that phrase all the time in, the, um, in our life success class and also in our basic class. Look, at being right is more important than actually being successful. Uh, we, use, we use it, um, it comes up a lot when we deal with uh, the mice situation. Uh, Who Moved My Cheese, a book that was written quite a few years ago. And uh, the, the illustration is that if you put a, a mouse in a maze, he'll go down a particular maze street until he finds a door. The door is closed. He's smelling, looking for cheese. He'll go back out of the maze and then go back until he finds the next door. And then sooner or later, out of four doors, he's going to find the door that's open that gives him the cheese. The next day, a smart mouse, like we as smart humans, will go down the same tube that got us to the cheese. Well, what happens is the mouse goes down that tube and that door is actually closed. The mouse doesn't think twice. It looks around for a moment, turns around, runs back, and just goes down the other tubes until it finds the cheese. Ironically, as human beings, we tend to want to be right. And so what we do is we go down the tube where the cheese is supposed to be, then we start complaining that the cheese is not here. Who closed the door? Why has this always happened to me? It happened when I was born. My, my mom was this way. My dad was that way. My environment did this, yada, 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 yada. And we use all of our logical principles to justify being right and standing here and not actually going down and looking for another tube. And so it sounds crazy, but we'll settle for the bones of being right. And oddly enough, it costs us a lot of things when it comes to relationships and people, especially if you're around those people who always have to be right. They tend to be rather annoying. And so it's a bone. It's a bone that we settle for, and it doesn't bring vitality to your life. And so we'll come back to that a little bit later. So looking good, being right, controlled, these are all bones. And they are also in another category of bones, which is called comfort. Comfort's a bone. We actually think we want to be comfortable. Comfortable basically is a byproduct of something. It's not an actual existence. It's not a thing in and of itself. It's an experience of something. Um, and so comfort is not even something that we can achieve. And the reality is that comfort, once obtained, quickly dissipates, goes away, so that we can be moved to a place of discomfort because discomfort brings movement. I was telling Kat earlier before I got on the call tonight, and it was like, last few years I've been doing the basic. And I and I and for the last 20 years before that, I've been doing a thing called life success class up on the ranch and the MLS class, which has been up on the ranch. And so I got quite good at these two classes. And what happened was, is I realized that discomfort is very important for growth to happen in human people's lives. It's very important for us to be uncomfortable in scenarios because when we're uncomfortable, we'll move. If you sit on a chair that's filled with tacks, you'll move around to try to get comfortable in that chair. And if you can't find a comfortable place, you'll get up and find another chair. That's how we operate. And so the deal is comfort, discomfort brings movement. And so I realized that I was telling Kat, I, I love discomfort in people. Well, I know that discomfort is important. So I loved it when you were uncomfortable. What I didn't realize is that I wasn't too excited when I was uncomfortable, which in the last few years, I've had to learn a different class. I had to become a different kind of person in front of the room. I had to do a different presentation. Um, my come froms had to come from different places. And so I had to learn a lot of different things and be uncomfortable for quite a while. And still to this day, I walk up uncomfortable. But I know I'm in a good space because comfort is a bone. Comfort is a bone that we settle for and we try to hold on to. We can't hold on to it because it's not a thing you can hold on to. And then the last bone we tend to settle for 
is a thing that we refer to as safety. When I was in the life success class, a lot of times I would say to people, safety is an illusion. You start looking at your world, you'll start noticing it is an illusion. It doesn't exist and it doesn't last, if it lasts at all, for not for very much time at all. It's an appearance of something. Um, it's something that happens or we believe in, um, but it doesn't actually exist. Uh, we, thought our, we thought 10 years ago that our money was safe in particular ways of investing things, and the whole market's turned upside down, and maybe people lost a lot of money, uh, me included, and we realized that our market and our particular environment wasn't quite as safe as we thought it was. And so when we tried to try to become safe in investing, especially you'll find it there, just try to be, you know, try to try to use safety in investments. There's no such thing. Once you try to be safe in an investment, you start losing money. Once you start being safe in relationships, you start lose, losing relationships. I'm a football fan, have been for years and years, although recently I'm not sure what I think about the game. But way back then, um, in loving the game, you, you saw this scenario happen all the time. And that's when they got to the fourth quarter and they got to the end of the game and they were up by a few touchdowns. They started going into a thing called safety, safety defense. And um, what they were trying to do is they were trying to be safe and stop touchdowns from happening. And what would happen when you went into that kind of defense, all of a sudden, they, people started scoring on you all over the place. You got destroyed. You could be five touchdowns ahead and you go to that safety D and all of a sudden, before you know it, you're down by a touchdown. As Kat said, I'm an avid golfer. I love to play golf. And the worst thing you could do is when you get on a lead is try to hold on to that lead. Once you try to hold on to that lead, you start playing a completely different game. And it's no longer a game called golf. Now you try to actually do safe shots versus the shots that have become necessary. You start operating completely different than you would normally do. And that becomes a huge problem. And so what happens is we're trying to hold on to a bone that's even it's an illusion. It's not even existent. And so the control, being right, looking good, comfort, safety, these bones are the aspect of the victim mindset. And these victim mindset is what fuels the have, do, be approach to life and the do, have, be approach to life, which is an approach that I see quite often in people's lives. In the basic, we have a thing called three R's. And the three R's is a thought process. It's a hugely destructive thought process that we're in quite often, but we don't even realize it. And as we go through a thing called resistance, we actually start off with resentment that moves into resistance that re moves into revenge. Um, and it's a quiet, it's a, it's a, it's a really quick process. And it doesn't necessarily mean like the vengeful revenge of movies. A lot of times it means you just turn over in bed and don't say good night. A lot of times it means you just shut somebody down. A lot of times it means you just walk away. A lot of times it means you just pick up your phone. You become distracted. You're no longer connected with the person that you're in front of. The three R's always brings disconnection. And so it's when you're disconnecting from humanity, you're in the three R process. The difficulty from these two approaches, have, do, be, and do, have, be, the worker, dreamer mindsets, is that they end up in victim. You end up focused on nothing but bones, and you'll find yourself in the three R's quite often. You're basically in revenge against the world. You're in revenge against God. You're in revenge against yourself. Uh, you constantly live in a dismal environment where you're no longer empowered. You're disempowered, and you feel like nothing goes your way. Suddenly, you get into the mindset it's always against you, like the universe is actually against you. 
And so you see a hostile universe that's working, working, working to mess you up. And you literally begin to see the world as doing things to mess with you. Like it has nothing better to do but to get up in the morning and say, how do I mess with Rob Rowe today? How do I make the light turn red just at the right time? How do I make the person walk out on the street just at the right time? How do I make that cop come in this particular way at just the right time? How do I make his investments in stocks fall apart just at the right time? How do I do, do things with his health just at the right time? And so that we see the world happening to us. That's the difficulty with the have, do, be, and the do, have, be. We're a victim to the world. We're a victim to circumstances. And so it truly is coming from the mindset the world is happening to us. And the reality is the world is not happening to us, but we are happening to the world. And so we need to shift our approach. Shifting our approach would sound so easy because I outlined this in a very logical way. And you're looking, well, who would want to live their life this way? I mean, logically speaking, we'd want to shift our life and see things completely different and move into the other be, do, have mindset. And it sounds really logical. And the point is, that would be great if you actually worked off of logic. But very few, few of us actually work off of logic. We're emotional people. And our emotions basically dictate a lot of what we do, and we end up using logic to justify what we just did. A lot of the choices that we make are emotional choices that we make, even though they seem to be rather logical in doing so. A rather logical person or analytical person comes from that analytical place, and they say, well, I purchased this car because of da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And the reality is they tend to pick the car because their dad drove that car. There's an emotional energy on it, and they use logic to actually justify it. Or we pot it because it was blue, and then we go back and say, but it actually gets good ma good gas mileage. It's not quite a Tesla, but it does da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And so logically speaking, we very rarely shift because of logic. And so we have to see emotional reasons to shift. We have to experience things emotionally to shift. Um, and from those emotions, we'll move stuff. It's interesting. People take the basic, and I've never been on this basic area until the last few years, but I watched them take the basic. And they get to the place in the basic where they start, start beginning to realize that they're living their life in certain ways that is not actually benefiting them. And it's a, it's a way where you, you kind of wake up to what's happening in your world. It's kind of a wake-up mindset where you're going, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And then what happens is that sometime during the basic, they're going to ask you, they're going to tell you about, we're going to tell you about a class called the Life Success Course. The Life Success Course is the next class. It's an X class that's designed to actually bust up a lot of programming that we use. And it's designed to emotionally shift us into moving to a beingness place. As a matter of fact, the Life Success Course is a beingness class. It's an experiential class. And so after hearing about the basic and hearing about what's happening in our world and we, we're achieving these kind of results, I would think introducing this class would make people so excited, but it doesn't. I've watched it over and over again. People get frustrated. They'll get hostile. They'll get angry. They'll feel things are happening. We're doing things to them. And so they quickly revert back into the have, do, be, and the do, have, be mindset. And they become victims to their reality, even though they've logically gone through a course that showed them a very different way. Well, the truth is emotions are still dictating a lot of what's happening. And what I'm asking them to do is to see a light and believe in that light, to see something to create and work with their life versus being victim to their life. And it's a challenge to do so. We go into it kicking and screaming. A lot of times we have to have a game-changing moment. 
I call them game changers because like it's a game changer. It's a moment that took place in life where suddenly, bam, the game was changed. Game changing moments are things like this. Um, suddenly someone almost, you, and there's a death in the family. Um, there's a friend of mine, his, uh, he had a good friend from his size seven class. She died in a head on collision. This is the last couple of weeks ago. No one thought that was going to happen. Who would think you're driving down a road and all of a sudden there's a head on collision and she dies. No one thought she was going to die. She was a singer. She had a beautiful voice. She had a life in front of her. Well, what's happened now, this is a game-changing moment. And so a lot of people now in, the, in their world are beginning to look at their lives and going, how am I living my life? What am I doing now with my world? How am I being affected? How am I being at effect? What's happening with me? And so they're actually looking at their lives. And so that game-changer moment will shift their emotional landscape and they actually will move to a different version or different way of seeing themselves or their worlds. And so that's a game-changing moment. So someone dying, a, boor, a birth, someone being born. When you're around, that's one thing about babies that's always amazing because babies always look like babies. I mean, it's, it's a baby. It's a, it's a beautiful baby. It's, moms always say that. It's a beautiful baby. No, it's a baby. It kind of looks like a prune. But it's a baby. But they all, you know, because everybody, because the thing is when you're close to a new life being born, all of a sudden, you're around and you're about life. We didn't even realize it, but we're no longer about life sometimes. We're about going through life or getting through the day or getting to the end of the day so we can have the glass of wine, we can have the martini, or we can have the martinis people don't have very much anymore. I guess it's, it's the cocktail um, so we can basically, you know, finish up our day and watch TV and kind of veg out. But when you get around a baby, that's life. And it doesn't stop. This thing actually goes like for 24 hours a day. It's just constantly moving and you're getting all energized. You're also getting exhausted at the same time. So it's nice to be the grandma because you just handed it on over to the, to, the, to the adult, to the new mom or the new dad. So that's why grandparents are having so much fun with those kind of scenarios. But they're around life. Life's a game changer. Being around a birth is a big game changer. And so the point is start looking at some of the game changers. How do we emotionally shift ourselves into moving into be, do, have? How do we emotionally shift ourselves from shifting from a victim mindset to coming from a responsible mindset? Because when you hear, it, oh, you need to be responsible, we tend to look at that in a negative way. Responsible is the truth. It's not a way of seeing the world. It's a truth. It's a reality. You are responsible for what's happening in your world. Responsible means you, you are able to respond, which basically you're, you're the one who creates what's happening in your world on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. And so taking responsibility is taking on the vantage point of living your life responsibly. In other words, at cause in your life. In other words, shifting it around to where now you're living from the be, do, have mindset versus the have, do, be, or do, have, be. Looking at it from a different vantage point, game changer moments shifted. And then there's other game changer moments. Looking at your life, which is why I think a lot of people take our seminars, is they get to a certain age and they realize nothing's changed in the last five years. And the biggest fear is that in the next five years, they'll look in a mirror and nothing has changed. Now it's not changed over the last 10 years. They're still struggling. They're still frustrated. They're still having a life that's not quite fulfilling. And so 
that can be a shifter or a changer. So I'm not sure what you're going to use to actually get there, but there are ways of doing it. Um, amping up your intention, following your money. Uh, there's different ways of, uh, of shifting. But the idea is to shift into be, do, have. Be, do, have is challenging because we don't understand this beingness word a lot of times. Beingness is like a philosophy. It's something I can go into for hours, but we're not going to. Um, uh, in a simplistic form, beingness is, let's say, beingness is the vibration that comes off of your values. Each one of us, we have core values in our life. And beingness is like the energy or the vibration that radiates from those particular values. And so to be a certain way is being in alignment or being in integrity with your particular values. And so let's say honesty is a core value. And so being in integrity, being honest, means you're honest all the time. And the basic, a lot of times I tell them, I find people who say they're honest, but what they do is they tend to tell parts of the truth, but not all the truth. And so they just sell the, to tell the truth that people want to hear versus the truth that needs to be told. And so they're not actually being honest, but they have the appearance of being honest. And so they want to appear to be honest. And so they want to look good. And so they settle for a bone. Where brutal honesty, we use that word, but the truth is just being honest. Telling the truth as you see it. Saying things that are true for you. Not having filters, we say in the psych community. Filters are ways of, of processing words or processing um, stories so that they are credible or acceptable for those people around you. And so let's say your core value is honesty. Well, then what's going to happen is the vibration from that core value, living an honest life, means you're going to be honest. You're going to be honest with yourself. You're going to be honest with your world. You're going to be honest with how you see things. You're going to be honest with those around you. And then in being honest, you'll be vibrating at a particular level. When you vibrate from that level of honesty, you're going to do things that are honest. In being honest, you'll start partaking. Everything you start doing will come from a place of honesty, not rigidity. You've probably been around people who are rigid, and they say they're honest and they're truthful and they're, they, they, have these, they say they have these particular values, but what's happened is they've fallen into a looking good mindset and they're trying to appear honest. And so they become rigid. They become difficult to be around. They're not pliable. They're not maneuverable. Uh, they have to have it be a certain way. It's got to be X, Y, and Z. And so this rigidity is what happens. And this rigidity, they're saying is, no, I'm doing, I'm doing honesty. But no, you're doing rigidity. Then you're having the results of rigidity, which is a bunch of bones. You get to look good. You get to be right. You get to actually strive for comfort. You don't actually have what you want. And so but when you come from the core place of honesty, now when you're doing, you're bringing honesty to what you do. And when you bring honesty to what you do, now you'll actually create the results of honesty. And that means you're going to start creating meat. You'll start having meat in your life. Honesty creates a honest existence where you're joyful. You look at yourself. You're happy to be you. You see who you are and you see yourself as enough. Because you know that's all you are. You can be no more than what you are. And so now you're bringing that person to your world, which creates a completely different result. Ernestine Fisher, and this is it, and I'm satisfied, she used to always say this phrase, 
and I'm not sure who's actually in this is if I'm satisfied or whether she said it or not all the time, but she goes, bring, um, bring who you are to what you do and you'll have what you want. So what happens is when you bring honesty to everything that you do, you'll start having an honest existence and you'll start seeing the world in an honest way. And you'll start gleaning meat from the world that you're after. See, meat's different. When you start going for meat, now you're living a, a life that's empowered, you're at cause, and what you're being to glean from your world, instead of being right, because when you be right, what you're sacrificing is wonder and discovery. Meat is wonder and discovery. Being right, you're sacrificing wonder and discovery. And so you're living from a place of meat, you're in a moment-to-moment -moment existence where you're in wonder and awe. You're amazed at what's happening around you. You're excited. You're discovering things anew. See, at the base, we use a thing called the value circle. I know I'm jumping a bit here, but it's going to make some sense here in a minute. In the value circle, if you think of a, to actually describe the value circle versus write the value circle, at the center of the value circle is what we call our beingness or our core qualities. Um, it's our values. It's who we are. Um, and then we ask people, what are the qualities of a five-year-old? What's the qualities of a four-year-old? And you start talking about the qualities of a four-year-old. And you'll say things like they're, they, they're discovered, they're honest, they're truthful, they're excited, they're joyful. When they're angry, they're angry, but they don't hold on to it. A four-year-old, they get really angry, but then they, once they get angry, they go through the actions. It's over. Um, they're done with it. Um, and, they, and they move on from it. Um, they're truly excited. Um, they're in awe about things. They're in awe about things that are happening in the world. They don't have to be right about what's happening. They're actually seeing it in, for, for almost like the first time. And so you start looking at these qualities. Well, that's, that's at our center. That's who we are. These are our qualities. All of us have these same qualities. You didn't obtain them. You didn't learn them. You didn't get, get them. They basically came. They came with the package. I'll use the word innate. Um, they, they came with the package. When you were born, all of us had the same sort of stuff. These same qualities. And then the outer, then the continent, what happens is on the, the next level of the circle is that thinking happened. And we started thinking about our life. We started thinking of, we started creating a self. And we started becoming in alignment with this particular self. And we started coming in alignment with this particular thoughts. And when in our world, we create a thing called programming. Program is our, you know, there's series of, it's a series of thought processes um, that comes across an end result. Uh, like a program on a computer you double click microsoft word microsoft word opens up it's not that easy though there's computer code behind it it actually goes through a bunch of stuff those people who know dos you know what i'm talking about um and so thought processes as we became as we grew up we started creating thought processes so we can go rapidly through some thinking processes and get to an end result rather quickly and so to look good and look right and things like that we started doing stuff from a thought process and so um we don't have to become conscious of it anymore. It becomes an unconscious process. So these are programs. Programs are, are amazing. All our programs that we have were designed for a purpose. And we designed them. That's the best part. We don't even realize we designed them. We think they happen in other ways, but they did. We designed them. We put them together. And so those programs were designed, and we, we designed them. And then what happens is those programs, they give energy to a vibration called emotions or our attitude. That's the next circle out. And so now our emotions and our attitude are all basically coming from our programming and our thinking processes. And so that's why it's so challenging to change an emotion or to change an attitude. It's been solidified and actually thought out from a core quality area. And so when it comes out in us, um, it actually has a displaying energy to it. 
You can feel a person's attitude, especially if they're upset. They go into dramatics of attitudes. They go uh, either very upset or very happy or very numb. We can feel those really easy. But if we let ourselves become more aware of what's happening around us, we would feel people's attitudes a lot. Part of my job is to feel out attitudes, feel out feelings in people, and then try to go back to what their thinking process is um, that they're using to get to this particular attitude that they're bringing out. And then ultimately this, this attitude or this feeling process comes out in their behavior. And then through our behavior or our actions, we're now creating a result. And so um, bones are primarily worried about the results that we're creating. Uh, what's, what's the actual end result where uh, meat is actually going back to the core, core qualities of a human being. So you're trying to get back to your core qualities and then seeing what took place. Uh, beingness is when you're doing the be do have do the be do have system. You always got to look at what you're having, which is our behavior, what's happening in our world, and then what are we doing to create that, and then what beingness is behind that. And that way, we can actually go, okay, well, how am I how am I being now to create this? Um, people don't realize this, but they you don't if you're if you're unhappy a lot, or you're in a lot of drama in your world a lot, or you're a lot of discomfort, you know, um, frustration or anger. You, you like anger, you like frustration, you like drama, you like unhappiness. There's a part of you that likes that. That's why you're designing it. That's why you're developing it. It's a, it's a misconstruction. It's, a, it's an illusion or it's a, um, it's a deflection from what's happening in your world. You're trying to keep people away. And so you're doing it in a particular way. We, well, we, we create these things on purpose. We're the ones who's creating it. It's not happening to us by accident. The world isn't happening to us. We're happening to the world. So one of the meat products is that wonder and discovery. That was happening in a child. And so when we be right, we, we basically, we're, we're settling for being right versus wonder and discovery. We're settling for looking good versus development of character. See, when we move to look good, to try to fashion our reality so it looks a certain way, we're not allowing ourselves to be honest with our reality. Because when we're honest with our reality, we would actually have to shift some things. We would have to alter some things. We would have to change our belief systems or educate our belief systems so that we'd see the world a little bit differently. And so character is developed when we embrace honesty versus trying to look good through our life. In other words, when we be honest, we're now being able to develop a certain characteristic called character development. In, the, in size seven, we, they go, we, we bring them to events, just particular events, this whole scenario working with beingness. And we ask them at the end of the event what beingness worked or what beingness didn't work. And what they realized very quickly is they came up with the word vulnerable or honest or open. We wouldn't challenge them on it. And so whether they were being vulnerable, honest, or open, I don't know. But they would come up with these because these are the best ways to actually be in your world um, to begin to see some things. If you're allowed to be vulnerable, then instead of looking good, you'll actually see what you did. What did I do? And why did I do that? In MLS, we say, think about what you're thinking about, then ask yourself why you're thinking about it. Why did I do that? And then we begin to question ourselves at an honest base level. Oh, I did that because I'm trying to not be, be in pain. Or I did that because I was hurt. And the basic, I tell people, hurt people, hurt people. Heal people, heal people. And so you start looking at what it is. And so you develop character along the way. That's why we see very little character development in people. They're, they're, they're one-dimensional human beings. 
once they get up on screen or they get in front of a camera or they start making lots of money um that's when we begin to see what's really underneath when you get a lot of money we get to see what's happening we get, to, we get to see who you really are that's why many of us don't have a lot of money we say we want a lot of money but actually to have a lot of money you gotta have some character development or one you'll become a miser and it'll destroy you or two you'll get rid of it all and it'll destroy you ultimately it'll destroy you and so we only allow ourselves to have enough money to uh to deal with the character that we have thus far comfort when we choose comfort that bone the meat that we're giving up is courage comfort Courage courage can only be called forth when you're in an uncomfortable situation. You can only take a risk in an uncomfortable situation. And so when you settle for comfort, you're, you're, you're sacrificing courage. You're no longer living a courageous life. It takes, it takes courage to be honest. It takes courage to take your life on. It takes courage to do these kind of things in your world. And so what happens is you're settling for comfort versus courage. I mean, there's times where you can experience comfort, but comfort is not supposed to be an ending point. It's not supposed to be an end-all, be-all. It's something that we experience once we achieve a certain level in something. We have a certain amount of comfort in it, but then that comfort dissipates, and we have to bring forth courage again to become in a different level. And so that's a that's a problem with, with the bone of comfort. We lose we lose the meat of courage. Safety, as I told you, safety is an illusion. And here's the worst part about safety as an illusion: when we settle for safety. When we actually try to be safe, it just kills me when I see it on boards, especially around kids. Be responsible. Be safe. That's not the same thing. You can't be safe. When you try to be safe, you give up being vital. You take vitality out of your life. You stop living. When you, when you be safe, you stop connecting with humanity. Connecting with humanity, it's not safe. There's always risks involved. Even the idea of commerce and business, they use commerce is like co-mercy. It was an idea of two people coming together. They both have qualities that are not redeemable, so to speak. I have my maladies, you have your maladies, but we want to build this business. And so we'll come together and have mercy upon one another and connect to build the business. And so when you choose safety, what you're taking away is all the vitality and life in your life. You're taking away your life and your life is going away. And the final bone, control. When you're after control, what you're sacrificing is passion. You're sacrificing empathy. You're sacrificing your very ability to connect with other human beings. And so be to have is asking us to call forth the qualities, the vibrations that emit from our core values. And so prosperity, people always say prosperity. They want to be prosperous. They don't even, I don't think people even know what that means a lot of times. But to be prosperous is not about having a lot of money. It's a consciousness. It's being able to see the world in a way of creating a belief system around the world. Where rather than coming from scarcity, you have an abundance mindset. And so coming from abundance, when I be abundant, when I'm about abundance and I operate abundant, I'll start doing things in an abundant way. And when I start doing things in an abundant way, 
I will start creating the, the law of attraction will start working for me and I will attract other people who do things in abundant ways. And when I attract other people that are doing things in an abundant way, that's going to flow over onto me. And I'm going to, I'm going to actually experience abundance. I'm going to experience abundance when it comes to joy. I'm going to experience abundance when it comes to laughter. I'm going to experience abundance when it comes to financial. I'm going to experience an abundant life. It doesn't mean that I have more money than God, and I might have more money than God. But the reality is it means I, I am bringing abundance to what I have right now. And therefore, living a life from responsible. I'm at cause. I am making my life happen for me from a place of abundance, from a place of, of prosperity, from a place of honesty, from a place of integrity, from a place of responsibility. And now my life is actually resounding out. It's vibrating out. And my life becomes an extension of who I am. And my, my job is basically it's an extension. It's a, it's a, it's a vibration. It's coming from me. And so I'm expressing myself through my vocation versus being locked into a vocation. I'm expressing myself through my relationship versus having to stay in the relationship. I am becoming, becoming, becoming. That's why be, do, have is empowering. Be, to have basically embraces meat and ultimately creates a transformation process. You as a human being was meant to transform. You're transforming. You were not meant to stay in the three R's. You're not meant to go from resistance into revenge, into being spiteful and getting back at. You're supposed to go from resistance into acknowledgement, acknowledgement into a place of understanding, acceptance, acceptance giving up what you think you already know to get to the truth of what's happening in front of you and therefore being transformed by it, being transformed by a renewing of your mind. And so be to have is the only way to operate from. But it's a struggle because there's things that we like. We like to think we're safe. We like to think we're in control. We like to think that we're looking good. We like to think we're comfortable. The bones that we're settling for that become so normal that's hard, just oddly challenging. And so you have to elevate yourself. As any human being, we have to elevate ourselves. We have to create a new belief. We have to have the courage to be, the courage to be someone different, to believe about ourselves differently, to believe that we actually can achieve, to believe that we can be responsible and enjoy life because of which. And so, be do have, you know, if you're going to use that word, it's the, be do have is the mindset of the, those who prosper, be do have is the mindset of those who win, and those who win from win-win. Be to have for those who experience the meat of life, the joy of life. Have do be. Do have be. These are the people that will look good. They're the ones who have the appearance of winning, but yet they never win. It's not wrong. It's a process. It's a process that we all must go through. We all must move through. There's a sculptor who I talked to once, and I'd ask him, you know, Sculpting to me is always a challenge. I don't, I don't see how people sculpt. It doesn't make sense. To me. I don't know how you do it. I told him, I don't, I don't know how you do it. Sculpting things are just, I don't, he goes, well, you see the beauty underneath and you just take away the chaff. And I went, wow. He goes, ultimately, that's what you're doing with your life. You're the light. Part of being the light is to burn off the chaff. And so being you. 
You will now do things that are in alignment with you, and you will have what you want. So, Kat, I believe that I've talked a long time. Are we ready for some questions? We sure are. We have quite a few questions. Before we go into questions, I just want to take a moment for everyone on the call who has not yet done our classes. If you want more tools to support you in getting on your path to prosperity, the basic course has extremely effective techniques that you can put into practice right away to achieve goals beyond what you previously thought possible. And if there are results you really want to create in your life, at the PSI Basic Seminar, you get to uncover your limiting beliefs and discover what has been holding you back from living the life of your dreams, whatever that is for you. The Basic is an experiential class where you will be immersed in powerful exercises and get to explore who you are, what you really want, and how to get where you want to go. Again, if there's anything you want more, better, or different for yourself in your life, then go to psibasicseminar.com and get registered for the next PSI Basic. We hold classes in cities across the country, so find a location and date that works for you. Again, that's psibasicseminar.com. Now, first up, Rob from DL. How do you conquer the fear of not being enough, not knowing enough, etc., especially when you should know that all you need is already inside you? All right, DL. Um... <clears throat> You have to, be, okay, this is one of the ways that I have done it um, and I find works. We only call forth courage when we believe it's necessary. And so you have to look at your world the way it is now and you have to get to a place to where you truly see where it's going to end up. If you keep operating this way for the next 10, 20, 30 years, where is it going to really end up? And you have to take responsibility. You're operating this way. You're choosing this way of seeing the world. Not being enough is a very powerful technique. I've used it my whole life. I, I'm always afraid of not being enough. I was always afraid of not being smart enough. That's why I went through a lot of education, uh, trying to overcome that. I have thousands of books in my room, thousands of books that I've read to all try to be enough and try to look intelligent. But the truth is, no matter how much I read or how much I did, it was never enough and I never looked intelligent. Um, and so it was always an appearance thing. And so when I started bringing that to the end result, especially when I started taking the basic and, and, and these classes, I started looking at where am I going to, what kind of man am I going to be in 15, 20, 30 years? And I started looking into that and that started to scare me. And once I became afraid of its end result, I naturally started drawing forth courage to start designing a different belief system around me. That belief system of, no, I am enough the way I am. And I'm not telling you I don't go back to not enough speak thinking. It comes up now and again. It comes up especially like before I speak, like tonight's, tonight's piece, um, before I talk about things or before I walk in front of a basic or before I walk in front of a class, before I interact with people. Because I care about people. I want their lives to be different. And so I want to so be perfect and so be enough. I put so much pressure. But I got to realize that it's not being perfect that gets it done. It's being me. Bringing myself to the time, being myself. And so you got to figure out which self do you want to become. There's a self in your future that's a victim. It's going to be alone, even could be surrounded by people, but it'll be alone. And there's a self in the future that's connected to humanity, that's got people all around it. It's enjoying life. 
Which self do you want to become? When you put it in that simplistic terms, then you'll start actually creating things in your world to do something different. Like we're talking about be, do, having. You'll start looking in your world. You'll become mindful and aware of how you're thinking on a daily process. Are you coming from a place of peace? How do you see the world? Is it a hostile place? Is it an indifferent place? Is it, is it a, a, a um, exciting place? Is it a joyful place? How do you see, how do you see people? How do you see your, I mean, when you start, how do you really start seeing things? You start, you start noticing that kind of energy that you're bringing, so you start constructing your reality. One of the things I've done in the recent years is this guy named Sid Dickens. He's from Canada. This guy is just amazing. What he's done is, it's very simplistic. He creates these things called plaster molds. And on each plaster mold, there's some sort of figure. Like one I'm looking at right now has a butterfly on it. Underneath it, it says transformation. He creates this plaster mold, and this one thing is about transformation. I, transformation is a big thing for me. It's my world. It's what I want. It's what I'm after, always on a day-to-day -day basis. And so this is sitting right by my computer desk, and it shapes my mind. I see it every day. Every day I sit and walk by this thing, I see this butterfly standing up. It's right in alignment with this chess piece. And this chess piece is about strength and strategy. And so when I look at the chess piece, instantly I'm brought to a mindset of being strong, being courageous and coming from a place of transformation. And so I'm going to operate from these particular places. And so I put these things up around my house. Right now I have a phoenix that's sitting up in the area. This phoenix has become more powerful as this year has gone by. And it's had even more powerful now since the fires burn up part of the ranch. We're like the phoenix rising up out of the, out of the ashes. Something greater is always born from fire. And so when you start realizing that these difficulties in your life, this way of thinking not being enough, this way of thinking um, of not being smart, you've used these to get this far in your life. Now you got to turn them around a bit to go farther. It's a belief. Belief are beliefs. They're not truths. You have believed you're not enough. You have believed that you're not smart enough. And so the simple thing is start educating that belief. Educate the belief. Is it true that you're not smart enough? Not smart enough for what? The idea is there are rocket scientists out there that don't know how to talk to people. And there are people out there that know how to talk to people but can't do rocket science. They're both necessary. You start realizing the interconnectedness of humanity. You start noticing you have a place in the world with your intelligence levels the way they are and who you are. You matter to people in your world. You make a difference to people in your world. And so you start owning these beliefs and how you want to affect this world, then you'll start breaking down those thought processes. And I'm telling you, it took 20 years, 22 years. I didn't realize how much I love victim. My mom operated from victim. Even now, I got, a, I got a victim. I like victim. It worked. I got a lot of stuff from being a victim. I didn't have to risk. I didn't have to put my I did victim is weird. We don't realize how much we embrace it. And so stop being victim to thought processes that you put into motion. They didn't happen to you. You didn't come up with those beliefs by accident. And since you mastered those beliefs, since you originated those beliefs, time to start educating those beliefs. And those educated beliefs will bring you into a future of happiness and joy. You'll create what it is you say you want. Next question, Kat. Next from SZ. 
what are some suggestions for eliminating and eradicating poverty mindsets that seem deep-rooted and undermine progress? Well, again, I'll go back to you created those thought processes. And you've used them to motivate yourself thus far. So they've served a need inside of you. And so the idea is not eliminating them. The point is embracing them. Uh, Carl Jung talks a lot about our darker side as human beings. And avoiding our darker side, we have a tendency of becoming more dark. And the truth is every dark side needs to be embraced. It needs to have light played upon it. Um, we're, it's, we're always two sides of a coin. Scarcity, other side of the coin, is, po is, is, is not poverty. Poverty is not scarcity. And the other side of this coin is prosperity abundance and so they're both sides the paradox is that they are they were equal truths um, that are being held you're just holding up the poverty side because it motivates you somehow for some reason and it's deep-seated maybe you were born with it no I mean, we were never born with it but you grew up in it um, I grew up in a huge poverty situation we didn't have any money when I grew up I grew up in a trailer park and so to think differently about the world I had to go through a lot of um, education and educating my own personal beliefs. Um, scarcity and poverty, uh, they become almost, I realized it for myself personally, that it became almost a, um, a medal of honor that I wore versus a way of believing that I needed to move from. Um, the reality is you're only understanding one side of the coin. And so when you understand the other side of the coin, you'll now hold these two in tension. And that tension basically creates a new you. And from that now, you'll become an authentic you, a whole you. In, the, in our leadership classes, we always talk about um, leaders are empowered by their wholeness. Um, poverty is only seeing one, one side of the coin. Scarcity is only seeing one side of the coin. And so you're not whole. Uh, the truth is allowing yourself to see your wholeness, which means you got to see the other side of the coin. The reality is that you are also abundant and you, all, you are also prosperity. Uh, you've seen the, you know, the, norm, the normal thing. Compare us to a third world country, you've got more than most people will ever even begin to imagine in their lives. And so you're, what's your comparison factor? What are you using to actually you know, gauge yourself off of? And then why are you using those gauges? A lot of us use unrealistic gauges a lot of times, these perfection gauges that don't exist. Um, so we create some stupid results because of it. So the reality is this simply is you like it. You like it, you're holding it. There's a reason you're holding on to it. And so when you stop liking it and you start seeing that you, it doesn't work for you to only see it from that way, you'll start educating it. Uh, it'll become almost a natural process. You'll wake up one morning and go, Oh gosh, that's gone. I didn't even realize that. Uh, I moved, I moved through it. Uh, one of the things that we do in the life success class is deal with the transformational process. And so dealing with this thing calling, like, say, scarcity or poverty, basically you're saying it's, 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 you're in resistance to it. And so resistance is an energy. What is, isn't. It, it shouldn't be this way. I shouldn't think this way. I shouldn't believe this way. The world shouldn't be this way. And so resistance. And oddly enough, when you're in resistance to something, basically what you're doing is you're, what you're resisting is persisting. And so now you're pervading it because it needs to be dealt with at some level. It needs to be transformed. It needs to be renewed. And so you resist, resist, resist. And the point is just simply acknowledge that you got this going on. What's the truth of it? 
Acknowledge is present. Resistance is present. I'm resistant to this. I'm the one who's generating the resistance, not, nothing else. The world isn't in resistance to it. The universe isn't in resistance to it. I am in resistance to it. And then once you're in resistance, you got to go in place. Then you move to acceptance, which means you got to accept it. But you can't accept it because it's an ugly, terrible thing to you. That's a difficulty with our lives. We have a tendency of seeing things as ugly, horrible, and beautiful, nice. And the reality is, it's it's the same thing. It's like a baby. And so the deal is, is that no, you got to got to see it from a different. Got to give up what you think you already know. This is the hardest part about accepting. You got to give up what you think you already know about the scenario. To be in poverty doesn't mean you're a poverty person. To be in scarcity doesn't make you scarce. You got to give up some belief around those. You got to give up what you think you already know. And then you got to allow yourself to experience it completely. Robert Kiyosaki writes a book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And in it, he puts it, I'm not sure if he's the first person who postulates this. I don't deal with a lot of wealth books, um, but it's one of the first persons I read. Uh, and so I found it in other places. But basically it goes this. If you have a, if you have a fear of scarcity or you have a fear of poverty, um, which he believes most males do, uh, our biggest fear is not being able to adequately uh, provide for our families. He goes, I, my suggestion to you is simply this. Embrace it. In other words, go broke. Go bankrupt. Lose it all. And once you lose it all and it's all gone, then you're going to realize you're the one who created it in the first place. And then in that, in that reconstruction process, you'll become empowered and a completely different person. And so you'll be renewed. And so you know you know you're renewing something because you're going to experience it completely. Embrace it in totality. And you know you embrace it in totality because afterwards you'll kind of feel like a nothingness. We call it a nothingness. And then from that nothingness, you'll, you, you can create, create a new life, commit to a new life, choose different things in your world. So I'm not sure if that helped, um, but that's the process that I know I've been going through with my life. Next question, Kat. A next step from SM, what guidance do you have for retired people who are pretty happy with what they have already achieved? Well, guidance is don't become stagnant. Achievement is, is a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a verb, not a noun. You're constantly in achievement. And so, I'm not in that realm yet, but I can only reflect on, so you've got a good family and pretty happy. That's an interesting choice of words because um, you've modified it. It's like being a little bit pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. So you're happy or you're not. And so you're okay. I'll use the word okay. We're fine. My thing is that just asking the question, that means you need to start keep looking. You, you need to challenge yourself to look for more challenges. You need to challenge yourself to challenge your brain. Uh, I read, I listened to tape this CD series or this guy talking about um, the dark wood and becoming, you know, his idea of becoming older us maturing as human beings, becoming that retirement age, it's one of the most challenging processes any human being can take on. And so my thing is that allow yourself to become an enriched couple. Create the kind of relationship that people long to become. Um, explore your life. It's not over yet. Uh, think differently. You know that I don't, it's like Jane Wilhite two years ago, you know, and that's when she was, I think, in her 60s. 
was basically said that she goes to a class virtually every year, something, some class. She does one, one or two classes every year. And if she gets one thing out of it, it doesn't matter how much it costs. It was worth that one thing. And so doing something new, doing something different, in other words, keeping yourself uncomfortable and getting yourself comfortable with being uncomfortable and not just settling with, well, this is all that's happened. This is what we did. This is what we have. This is all it's it. I got to hold on to the rest of it. Like I say, watch out for bones. Start looking at your life and truthfully ask yourself, are we settling for bones? And the best way to do that is find someone who will be honest with you. Someone from, someone from the outside will actually look at you and be honest with you. They'll be your mirror and uh, give you some feedback on truly what's happening. Because there's a lot of times we don't realize what we're doing. It's like uh, my, my parents didn't even know they were alcoholics until, you know, they realized it would nearly destroy the family. Uh, well, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of, of, of especially uh, those kind of relationships with stuff that we, we're, we're in and we don't even know what we're in. People around us know we're in it. But we don't know. Uh, so it's, it's so part of our life. It's like the only thing that, you know, the only creature on the planet didn't know there's water is a fish. Because they're in it. So when you pull a fish out of water, that's when it realizes. And so being pretty happy, what about being really happy? What about just getting, how about being ecstatic? What about being totally ecstatic about your life? What, 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 what would life be like if you were like that? That's the thing to look at. So um, I would mix it up some, uh, take on some challenges, do something, go some places, visit the world. I don't know. I know my wife and I, it's one of our big things. We love, we love, we love to visit the world, and we love to do it in different ways. She, looks, she loves to go there, and we run around like chickens with our head cut off, looking at everything on the planet. I like to go there and stay in the hotel, just look out the window. So together we commingle and create a vacations that work. So, yeah, keep challenging yourself. Challenge yourself. Challenge yourself, whatever it takes. Next question, Kat. Uh, next, from M.O., how can I have control of my emotions and behavior? Um, M.O., you can't. You can't control emotions. You can't control behavior. You monitor it, you monitor it so to speak. Your emotions and your behavior are coming from your thinking. The basic or, or, or precedent is simply to think is to create. And so the simple answer is start looking at your thinking. Um, and if you're thinking that you need to be in control of these things, you're trying to control something that cannot be controlled. Um, emotions, basically, they're, they're, they emote, they come out of, they're in motion. And they're coming from the way you believe about yourself and see yourself or see the world, the responses, their vibrations that radiate from. And then your behavior radiates from those particular vibrations. And so you find yourself, you're around those people that seem, you know, just they're at home no matter where they go because from their thinking, they're in alignment with being home. Home is everywhere. Home isn't a place. It's a way of being. Um, and so... They're coming from that place of home. And so they don't try to control their emotions. Their emotions emanate this belongingness, a connection, um, a desire, an attention. And so I can only think you're working with particular things. Like maybe you're trying to manage your anger or you're trying to manage your depression 
or you're trying to manage your sadness. Now, managing depression is a little bit different because I think depression is basically re, um, repressed anger. And so it's, you're just dealing with anger in a different way. So you're trying to control anger, trying to control depression, or trying to control sadness. And that's what you're resisting will just keep on persisting. Going through the transformation process with it is, is the answer here for you. Um, delving into it and see what thinkings are behind it. Angry people are looking, they're, they're hurt. They're, and they're expressing it with anger. Other side of the quadrant are, are, are people who are comedians. Comedians are also extremely hurt people. They got very terribly destroyed when they were younger. Angry people, same thing. Something happened. They weren't developed. And so it's your it's your way of telling yourself, look, look inside, time to grow, trying to look inside, not control from the outside, not try to look like you're a better person, not settle for the bone of looking good, not settle for the bone of, of trying to be safe, but allow yourself to turn inside and begin to look at what are my core beliefs, what are my core values, what do I really want? Two questions that are very important to humanity. Um, it's quite a, it's, it's questions that meditators ask themselves virtually every time they meditate. It's a question that we ask in the basic. Um, one of them is, and it's the other one's implied, but basically is, who am I? It's a huge question. Who are you? You're not angry. You're not an angry man. You're not an angry woman. You're displaying anger. Why? What do you want? Tranquility? Joy? Grace? Excitement? Supportive? Resilience? Appreciation? What do you want? When you start getting clear on what you want, you'll start transforming you. When you start being, then you'll be in alignment with doing. Control is the outside. Trying to control things doesn't work. Never works. One day you'll go postal. We'll crack. You can only control things for so long. That's why we have old age. You have all these people that try to look perfect for their whole life long, and all of a sudden you start getting old, <laughs> you get too tired. You can't try to you can't control all that stuff anymore. And so now you gotta become it. So Start forgiving yourself. Start accepting yourself. And then from there, there'll be no need to control those things. There'll be extensions of who you are, and they'll be in alignment with the person that you want to become. Next question, Kat. Next from CB. Thank you for teaching my basic seminar in Calgary, Rob. Can you give an example of a little tweak I can make to help me prosper on a daily basis? You're welcome. Calgary, when was this recently? Um, a little tweak. This is a little trick that um, <clears throat> I learned actually in the church when I was in the church. And I was a youth minister I was talking with. And I was always, I never had any money. I was always poor. 
like I said, I just had a poverty mindset. And the tweak that he told me was simply this. He goes, you want more money, Rob? Give money. I don't care what it is. Do something. Come from a place of giving. Doesn't have to be a ton. Doesn't have to be a lot. But it has to be money. Because you want more money. Because if it's something else, like love, you give love. But you don't want love right now. You want money. And so he challenged me to start giving money. It's, it was an interesting little tweak that I started doing. And I would give money and I, and I would, you know, at first I tried to give it in ways I thought people wanted it. But then I started realizing, well, no, I'm just going to give it the way I want to give it. And so I don't care if it was like I, I would buy my friend a Coke or I would buy someone's lunch or I would um, give sometimes to, you know, uh, someone on the street, even though, oh, you should never give to those people. They're, they're only going to buy alcohol. Well, the reality is most of us buy alcohol with it anyway. So. The deal is that, you know, it's not, giving is not for the person receiving, giving is for the giver. It's realizing the attachments that I had to it, because I didn't realize I was so attached. Just giving away a quarter, or giving away a dollar, or giving away, a, I remember my first time I gave away a hundred dollars, a hundred dollar bill, just gave it away. Uh, Tony Robbins used a thing where they burn them. Is it Tony? I think, yeah, I think they do. They'll burn a hundred dollar bill, just to watch you go crazy. Room full of 400 people burning hundred dollar bills. Um, because the yellow's got attachments to it. And so we don't realize those attachments can be so subtle sometimes, but they're so interwoven. And the way to bring them out is just a little tweak like that. Just start giving. Give in a way that is just here. There's no expectations on it. And find yourself if you're expecting. That means it wasn't giving. Find yourself if you wanted them to do something back that wasn't giving. So we don't give very much. We, we contract, you know. We're nice to people because we want them to be nice to us. We give money because we want to be seen as people who give money. And so we, we contract. We don't give. And so challenge yourself to give. Give, give without, you know, it's like, it's like Jesus said, you know, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Just give. Get yourself to a place where you can, it becomes a natural process with you. Where people just suddenly see you, well, no, it's, that's what she does. That's what he does. That's what they do. And from that place, I think that little tweak, I know it considerably shifted how I saw the world, moves into bigger and better things. Next question, Kat? I know we're running a bit long on this call. Uh, we just had a lot of great questions, and um, there's quite a few people who have not yet done our classes on the call. So if you could just take a couple quick minutes to talk about the series of PSI courses and how they're different from other personal growth classes that are out there. You're right. I always assume these things, don't I? Um, so series of courses, we first have a course we call the basic. Now, um, even though it, you, it says it's experiential learning, it's awareness, the basic is an awareness training. Uh, for three days, you get a chance to notice and become aware of what's happening in your world. Cat uh, used the phrase programs. We have programs or ways of doing things, thought processes that we have put together that are that are automatic. Uh, we have a lot of them, um, like driving a car. You don't think about driving a car anymore. There's a time where you actually learned how to drive a car, though. You, you actually ten and two was important. Um, blinkers, remember blinker? You used to use that thing now and again. And now sometimes you'll pull up into your driveway and you're not even sure how you got there. That's a program. Uh, it's become it's become a you're not it's, it's unconscious action and so we're filled with a lot of unconscious actions 
And so the basic is awareness training that's becoming bringing us to aware of these unconscious actions that we're doing on basis. And what are some of the prices that these actions are, are uh, costing us in our world? And then because of which we can make some shifts with it. The basic is, leads into a, the next class that we refer to as the Life Success Course. You may have heard of it called PSI 7 or Psi 7. The Life Success Course, it too is an experiential class. You're always doing things. You don't sit around and listen to people talk very much. You're always, because we, we reveal ourselves through our actions. Uh, that's how we see who we are. Uh, so this experiential training is focused on transformation. And it's the transformation process I spoke of a little bit earlier in class. Uh, we as human beings don't change. You can change a dollar bill into silver. Um, you can change your clothes. Uh, but you as a human don't change. You transform. Uh, when I use the word transform, I mean it's like you, you we become we're caterpillars turning into butterflies. Uh, we become new people. New things happen. Uh, that's how you started when you were younger. And somehow we forget the process and we jump off of it. And so it's a transformational training where we use outdoor events, um, experiential events that literally smash up some programs and gives you a chance to reformulate them so that you'll live a completely different life. People are totally transformed when they leave the ranch. Their faces are different. Their energy is different. They are different. And the reality is because they become different. They're like a butterfly now, and they don't get to go back to being a caterpillar. Even though some may try, the caterpillar life is no longer theirs. And so it's a seven-day course held on a ranch um, where there's an interaction between coursework and outdoor work, um, ropes course type work, to where you're actually reformulating belief systems and thought processes that you hold yourself to uh, and busting them up and uh, educating them to a place where you can take on a different lifestyle and transform into a different person. And the last class we have is a men's leadership, women's leadership class. It's a leadership class. And so leaders empowered by their wholeness as men and women, uh, where they're actively living out their uh, vision um, by contributing to the world. And so these classes, they're to allow you to realize and start noticing what kind of leader you are. Uh, it's not about necessarily leading a country, uh, leading a city. Um, Mr. Will High was very clear on before you can lead anybody else, you got to start looking at how are you leading yourself. How are you leading yourself? Leader of self is prominent. It's the most important because it will become the model by which you lead the world. And so how do you lead yourself? Are you rising yourself up? Are you challenging yourself? Are you engaging yourself? Are you seeing obstacles as um, joys to try to overcome? Are you seeing them as difficulties that must be torn apart? How are you seeing your world? How are you, you know, and so leader self becomes important. And like I said, we have ways of leading ourselves that don't aren't that effective. And so both classes, you get a chance to look at those ways and notice what's working, what's not working, and then create a different lifestyle of leadership. You get a chance to notice your experience and your relationship with commitment. Both classes give you a chance to deal with that because commitment is very important when it comes to leadership. Communication, extremely important when it comes to leadership. Um, I talked the word values or principles. Values and principles are things that we stake our life on, and we're very rarely aware of them. Both classes allow you to become very aware of your values, very aware of your principles, so much so that you can actually put them down on a piece of paper. And then from that, you can live a lifestyle that it's in alignment with that, because a leader will always lead themselves in alignment with their values and their principles. And so it's a leadership class, transformation class, and awareness class, all experiential. Um, and... Three days is the basic, 
Life success course is seven days and the leadership class is nine days. Both life success course and leadership are held on the ranch. Basic is held in your cities. Is that enough, Kat? That sounds good. It all starts with the PSI Basic Seminar, and you can find out more at PSIBasicSeminar.com. Uh, before we wrap up the call here, Rob, do you have any key takeaways for our listeners tonight? Um, so I'm on Ernestine Fisher again. She was... She, she was one of my, um, she taught me the life success course. And she assisted me a lot with myself as a human being. But one of the things that she would say is she brought up this joke that um, I never thought was very funny, but it was prudent. And it was about three umpires. And uh, she says they'll, they were sitting around, they were talking about their way of umpiring. And uh, the first umpire states in a white confident way, you know, well, there's balls and there's strikes, and I call them as I, as they are. There's balls and there's strikes, and I call I call them as they are. Well, the second umpire kind of looked at him with a slight look of disapproval and says, "No, no, no, no. There's balls and there's strikes, and I call them as I see them." The third umpire looks at them both with sort of a reverent smile and said, "You know, you're both wrong. There's balls and there's strikes." And they ain't nothing until I call them. And it's like that. Nothing is nothing until you perceive it, until you label it, until you interpret it. You're the author. You're the designer. You're the mover. You're the cause. Lead your life in a way, in such a way, that you move forward. Kyriak. Kerak once said that, you know, we're the light. Want to be yourself? Be the light. Be the light to the darkness. Your job is to bust, bust away the crust. Bust away the crust. Find out why you're operating from the those two approaches. Have, do, be, do, have, be. And transform and move it into operating from be, do, have. Bring who you are to what you do. So you can have what you want. You can be who you want to be when you want to be it. And I could talk a lot longer, but that's enough. Yes, thank you so much. This has been an awesome call. I know uh, we went longer. I hope everyone on the call got a lot out of it. Thank you so much for sharing your teaching with us tonight. You're very welcome. Thank you to everyone listening in. We hope that you enjoyed the training, have some new tools to move you forward in the pursuit of your dreams and goals. You definitely don't want to miss next month's training. It's scheduled for Tuesday, September 11th. You can register now at psilive.com. And remember to ask your questions when you register. Again, that's psilive.com. If you're getting value from our podcast, don't forget to rate us and leave a review on iTunes and definitely share it with anyone you think would benefit. Again, for those of you who are new to PSI seminars and would like to find out more about the PSI Basic course, you can go to psibasicseminar.com where you'll find information about the class as well as the upcoming dates and locations that are open for registration. Thank you everyone for being on the call tonight. We appreciate you taking the time out to listen in. Have a great night. Good night, y'all. Bye-bye.